This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We talked about Thanksgiving, and we're not to thank God for everything. The scriptures actually teach we're to thank God in everything. In everything. Because there's certain things that God has nothing to do with. He's not doing certain things like killing people, destroying lives. He's not into that. We thank him and give glory, render unto God the things that belong to him, and he is a good God. His goodness and his mercy endureth to all generations. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, who there is no variation, no shadow of turning. He is a good God, a good Father, and we need to represent him well because he's being misrepresented. People don't know how good he is. If they knew how good he is, they would run to him, not away from him. So we looked at how he became our jubilee, or he was the one who canceled all our debt. We had a spiritual debt. We had a sin debt that we could never pay on our own. But he became our jubilee, and you can get last week's message and and listen to that. You can listen online or order the CD. But Jubilee, he was not just a 50-year happening. He's a perpetual Jubilee, eternal Jubilee. And your sin debt has been forgiven, paid in full for all eternity. One billion years from now when you're in heaven, your debt's not going to come up before the throne of God and said, Hey, Bob, you owe some sin debt. No, it was paid in full once and for all by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll no longer be held accountable for it. It's paid in full. Thank you, Jesus. We have plenty to be thankful about. Yeah, it's thanking. Thank you, Lord. That you're not imputing sin. You're not accounting sin against us any longer. He paid for our sin. Sin doesn't affect us. Yes, it affects us. You can get in a world of hurt, but it's not being held against you as far as your salvation. You, you being a part of his family. And I'm so grateful. Whenever I, I think about the cross and what he's done for me, it will cause you to be thankful, won't it? That's the reason Thanksgiving shouldn't be just one day a uh, a year for us, it needs to be each and every day that we celebrate and give him thanks and praise for all that he's done for us. In Psalms 103, in verse 2, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, he who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Does this sound like a good God to you? A good father? It says, forget not all his benefits. You know it's possible to forget God. It's possible to get so busy in life that you forget him and forget the benefits. Maybe you've come to know him, you're a believer, but you forget the benefits. You have a benefits package. It's called your Bible. Now, how many have insurance? 
and probably most of us do, and in that insurance there's benefits. But you know when you have a, a claim that you need to turn in or, or send to the insurance department, it's not on them to do it, it's on us to do it. We're to file the claim. We're to remember the benefits that we have and not forget them and turn in the papers and get the claim, get the, the money back or whatever. Same with God. You know it's up to us to know the benefits. It's up to us. We have a responsibility to know our benefits, to know what the covenant is. You know there's a lot of Christians who have forgotten their benefits or don't know their benefits. Now here's a revelation for you. You've got to know them in order to forget them. You don't forget things you don't know. You've got to know them first, but there's many who don't know the benefits that we have in God, that we have in the covenant that we have with God the Father, and we forget. But in this day and time, we can get so busy. We get so busy that we don't even take the time to look at the benefits. And then we're, we're calling out to God, and we haven't even taken the time to release faith to believe in that benefit being ours. You could call the benefits grace. It's already been paid for. The benefit package is yours. It's called the grace of God. But we activate the grace of God by faith, by believing that we receive, by believing that the word is true and real, and it is. So he says, forget not all his benefits. He forgives, he heals, he redeems our life from destruction, crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfies your mouth with good things. How many has past week had their mouth satisfied with good things? That's not what he's talking about here. <laughs> it can be. He provides for our food. Bless this food, Lord. I'm just going to eat this sweet to give me energy to go exercise, Lord. Okay. The gospel's not what you're trying to get God to do. It's what God has done for you. He's done it for us. And that's the true gospel. So we're going to look at communion again today. And there's three things that we need to remember. We talked about that really faith is remembering it's remembering what God has done. It's remembering his goodness, those tender mercies, his loving kindness. Remembering the cross, the price that was paid for us. Remembering his faith. I, I'm so glad he made it simple because we can all remember. We can all, you don't have to be a, a, a whiz kid to remember something. You can remember. We can remember the cross. We can remember what he did for us. So you see there in your notes, remembering number one, who God is and what he he has done. When we take communion, we're, we're worshiping him for who he is and what he's done for us at the cross. Then remembering who I am in Christ. Remembering that I'm a new creation, that he has saved me, he's redeemed me, he's forgiven me of all my sins, past, present, future. He's a good God, and I'm in him. And then thirdly, remembering what I can do through him, what I can do through Christ. And the Word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Whatever that thing that God's laid before you that you need to get through, you need to be saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That place that looks like you can't get over this obstacle or this barrier, you need to be saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's remembering what he has done. That's remembering the communion table and the price that was paid for each of us. It's really looking to him and not looking to us, but we are responsible to believe and to know that he will give us the grace and the strength, the ability to do what he's called us to do. Now, I mentioned uh, uh, briefly about when I was a kid, I thought you could not take communion unless you were part of the church or you had everything in order. And I've met people that said, I cannot take of communion because there's some stuff in my life that's not right. And the Bible says that you can be guilty of the body and the blood of Jesus and you'll be judged and go to hell. And there's this fear that many times has been taught that I'm afraid to partake of that because he'll kill me. And I've met people, and it's easy to get in this thinking, I'm better off not taking it. I think comes by, I'm just going, no. I'm not going to put that on me. But we've been taught wrong. That's not what the scriptures say. And we need to know that and have understanding. Because let me tell you, the communion Elements, the Lord's Supper, the, the table of the Lord is meant to be a blessing. And the enemy wants us to run from it instead of running to it. Because at that table, at the cross, everything in my life is defeated. At that table, there's mercy and there's love. Think about it. If I can go to the very throne room of grace, notice it's not judgment, throne room of grace and receive help. I can receive help. Anybody ever, ever need help? You can receive grace and mercy. Mercy's when you've blown it somewhere. If you can run to the throne room with sin, where you've missed it, don't you think that you could remember and partake of the elements? I found a lightning bolt hitting you and sending you to hell. We'd, better, we'd be better off never serving communion. Because let me tell you the truth. We all have sin in our lives somewhere. No, pastor. Not you. Yes. Have you ever had a wrong thought that you entertained? Sin. Have you ever done something that is not of faith? The Bible says it's sin. Have you ever not walked in love like you should? You probably don't have to go very far, just probably in your own house. Probably who you're sitting next to could tell you. No, you didn't. You didn't today. The Lord got on to me one time because I didn't walk in love to my dog. I know people don't believe me. 
But he told me to ask that dog. I had to tell him I was sorry. And for the dog to forgive me. And I'll tell you the truth. The weight and the peace of God came on my life. God is interested in every area of your life. Even your dog. And I can testify, I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. Don't know about your cat, but no. <laughs> Kidding, love cats, I'm just... No cat let letters, please, okay. <laughs> so let's look here and try and get some understanding. Now, I realized last week I need to go... Look a little deeper, a little bit more into this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. And this is, uh, well, let me just read it. Now, giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be fractions among you, I hear that there are, yeah, fractions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, is it not, is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. One is hungry, another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. Now I'm going to come back to this in, in just a, a little bit, but I want you to see that in the Corinthian church here, when they took the Lord's Supper, they were all coming together, and they were eating the meal, and those that had food would not share with those that had no food. Those that had would stick together, and they would snub their noses at those that didn't. And then you had others that were getting drunk. All this was going on in the house of God. And they really, uh, Paul got to them pretty good here. The Lord did and saying, look, you can do that, just stay at home. This is the house of God. And you're not taking the Lord's Supper in the right way. Now this will help explain what we talked about last week So. You're taking it in an unworthy way. Let me, um, let me read you 1 Corinthians 3, 3, because this is uh, talking about the church there. For you are still carnal, for there are envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Or mere men there is talking about you're acting like you don't even have a God. You're acting like you don't have a relationship with God. You're not serving God. You're, you're acting just like the world as if you're not a believer. Mere men. Because there's this strife, there's this division, there's this um, debate, there, there's this strife, this hatred, this, all this is going on in the church. And saying, this guy's stop, it's not right. So then we come down to verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 
unworthy here does not mean that you're unworthy. It's talking about unworthy way, unworthy manner. You're partaking of the Lord's Supper, of communion. You're partaking of it, but it didn't say you're unworthy. He didn't say you're unworthy, the person's unworthy. Just said you're acting in an unworthy way. You're partaking in the wrong way. Now that changes everything. Because see, the only reason we're worthy to partake of the communion elements is because He's made us worthy. Because of His blood, because of His sacrifice, I have your right, let me say it like this, your right to take of those communion elements has been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. There's no stronger right that you have than to partake of that than what Christ did for you at the cross. You are fully worthy because he's made you acceptable in the beloved to partake of the communion elements. Hallelujah. That will free you. And see, I found that when you take it in a worthy manner, something happens on the inside of you. Because let me tell you, there's a supernatural blessing and power of grace that's released to you when you partake of the communion elements in the right way. It's supernatural. It goes beyond you. It comes the grace of God. Gives you the ability to flow and walk in what he's called you to do. But it says, let me read you what this in your notes. Unworthy manner means, it's from the Vines Expository Dictionary. Unworthy manner means treating communion as a common meal. The bread and cup as common things not apprehending their solemn, symbolic importance. What happens when you don't take it in a worthy manner? You lose the benefit. It's not beneficial to you. You miss the blessing. That's what happens to you. You don't get judged, judgment from God to send you to hell. You just don't get the benefits. It's as if you did not accept the Lord. It, you just missed the benefits, the, the blessing of those communion elements, what God had wanted for you. And it says, examine yourself. What do you do when you examine yourself? Make sure, first of all, you're taking the communion in a worthy way. That your eyes are on Him. And you're remembering who He is and what He has done. You're remembering what he has done for you that you're now his child and what you can do through him. You're giving him worship. You're giving him honor. You're partaking of it in the right way. I had a person, a couple people asked me last week, what about when you examine yourself, do you examine for sin? Yes, you can do that. But let me tell you, the best time to examine yourself about sin is after you sin. Don't wait for communion as soon as you've sinned. And we all know when we sin. You know. That's the time to go to the throne room and get mercy and get his love. He's not cleansing 
your spirit, he's cleansing your soul. Your spirit belongs to him. It's eternally securing God. But what you're doing is your soul needs cleansing. Your emotions need cleansing. Your reasoning, your thinking, you need cleansing. And so we repent. And repentance means that we turn the other direction. A lot of people think they're repenting, but all they're doing is confessing something. <laughs> repenting means you turn and you go the other direction. But when you decide to go the other direction, the grace of God is there to give you the ability to go in a different direction. So when you examine yourself, I'm not examining, am I still your child? Woe is me, condemning myself. What I like to do, Lord, is there anything in me that's a hindrance? Is there anything that you want to put the spotlight on in my life? Because when I was a Christian, I really got turned on for the Lord, and I was going, and I thought, man, I've got it together. Strange, bad thought. <laughs> I've got it together. Oh, wow. And then the Lord put spotlight on something. Oh, okay. Well, Lord, you're going to have to help me with this one. And he helped me with this. I go, now I've got I know I'm there now. All right, I've got He put the spotlight on another place. So what? You've got to be kidding me. That's a little thing, Lord. Oh, okay. I had to go back into the bathroom at work. Henry knows, like gas and water. I had to go back into the bathroom. And I had missed the garbage can. I'm in a hurry. I had to start going back into the bathroom and start picking up for a while everybody who missed the garbage. Because he said it mattered to him. I said, yes, sir. And he deals. And then it, I, it dawned on me, this great revelation. I'm not going to arrive. I have left, but I'm not going to arrive till I see him face to face. <laughs> and it gave me peace. And see, he knows when you're on the potter's wheel. He knows when to squeeze some. It's just when you're ready. No, Lord, I'm not ready. Yeah, you are. I guess I am. Because he knows best. I found that he knows best. He's a good father. He's a good father. So I found that I worship him and if he wants to put the spotlight, he'll put the Here it comes. As I've told him, Lord, any time you want to do that, do it. As I know it's for my best. It might hurt a little bit at the time. It may not be comfortable. That's what, that's what we do in walking with him. Verse 29, for he who drinks, eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick, and among you, and many sleep. Judgment here is not that going to hell judgment. It's a, it, 
It's a divine sentence or a decision from God. And it's the same sentence that was put on humanity when Adam fell. You can go God's way or you can go the world's way. You can go the blessed way or you can go the unblessed way. We, we choose. And he's saying, if you choose to keep going down this path, here comes judgment and here's the results of it. You're going to walk around like mere people without God. Like you don't have a God. And you're going to be weak and that's from aggressive sickness and even death. There's many weak Christians because they're not discerning the body of Christ. They're not discerning his body, the communion, the cross. There's many who are sick in sickness in different areas or death. Now, this word death means premature death. But I believe the wages of sin is death and comes in many forms and levels. So, what am I saying? I'm saying those people were in strife and division, disunity. And Paul said, the reason you're not being healed, some of you aren't being healed, is because of the strife you're in, this division you're in, this hatred, this conflict for your brothers and sisters. That is hindering you. And you're walking around like you don't have a covenant. You're disregarding the cross. You're disregarding what was done on that cross to make you whole. Jesus said, take eat, this is my body, broken for you. It was broken where you could be whole in your body. But it goes beyond that, it was broken where we could be in unity as one people. You're disregarding it. When you have unforgiveness in your life, you're disregarding the cross which you've been freely given and when you get a hold of that, you can't hold unforgiveness against anyone. You have to let it go. Because it'll come back on you and make you weak, sick, and can even bring premature death. So this judgment, what is this judgment? And he defines it for us. In verse 31, For if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged, but when we are judged, this is the judgment. When we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the word, world. So what's chastening of the Lord? Judgment from God for his, his children. That's the judgment that we're talking about. Is there another judgment? Yes, but not during this dispensation. There's the judgment seat of Christ where everything that you did in this world, the behavior... The works, what you did, not you, is laid before the judgment of God. The fire of God hits it, and what remains, you get rewarded on it. How many want some works to remain? I don't want the biggest barn fire in heaven. I know there's going to be a fire there. I just don't want it to be the biggest one around. Well, that's what we're talking about here, your behavior, your works. Because God has plans for you. 
He has a destiny for you to fulfill, a purpose for your life. Now, if it was up to God, he'd just take us on home, but there's others here, here that he loves. And he uses us as his hands and feet and mouthpiece. We're the witness of God. We're the ones who are salt and light to those that are lost and dying. So this chastening of the Lord. How does he chasten us? Well, the definition of chastening is to teach, to train, to correct, to compel in the right direction. Now, we still have a choice whether we give in to that chastening or not. But that's what the chastening, as a father does a child, that's the chastening that we're talking about. When the Bible talks about that we are to chasten our children or discipline our children, we're not to do it in wrath. What's the same for God? You know, we think God expects us to be responsible parents and teach and train and correct and compel our children in the right direction to do it without wrath. Well, God is a responsible parent. <laughs> he's not going to do it in wrath. He's going to do it the same way he's told us to. Why? Jesus Christ took the wrath of God in your behalf. That's the reason wrath is not coming to you. It went to Jesus. But we have a work to do in this earth. And your actions affect everyone around you. We think that, well, I'm messing up here. I'm not affecting anyone. You're affecting everyone around you. It's affecting you too. Chasing. Chastening. Then he says, why does he chasten us? Where we will not be condemned like the world. We'll reap like those of the world. We'll have the same stresses, the same pressures, the same uh, sicknesses, same weaknesses, the same thing that the world will look like the world, the same reaping of that will come on our life. You can be a believer and totally be miserable. You can be a, a believer and be totally defeated in your life and have no good works and be like those in 2 Corinthians 4 said they, it's like they were just singed with fire. They just barely got in. Because <laughs> there's no works. They didn't do anything for the Lord. Or we can be all that we can be for him. Hebrews 12, verse 6. Goodness. Let me read this and we're going to close. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. That's his love for you when he chastens you. Anybody here ever felt the love of God? God, I want your love. I want to feel your love. You don't know it's coming in chastening, do you? <laughs> your kids, yeah. Do you love me? Yes. That's the reason you need to go clean your room, or you'll get spanking. Because I love you. I don't believe you, Dad. Well, the scriptures say it. 
Do you believe God? Yes, I, no, I don't believe God. Good, go to your room. Go to your room. There's something there I need to teach you. <laughs> Scourges. <laughs> oh, boy. Every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. That's what he judges us with chastening. That's what, he's, that's what he does because you're his child and he loves you. But if, you, uh, if you're found chastening in which all become partakers, then you are illegitimate, not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us for us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, it's for your profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I'm going to have to stop there. What I'm going to do next week, I'm going to continue with this, but I'm going to show how on the cross, Jesus dealt with strife. He dealt with mistreatment, abuse, guilt, shame. He dealt with all that. And see, when you get a hold of that, discerning the Lord's body, what he paid for, that he paid for that, you know he broke the power of strife. He broke the power of being mistreated. He broke the power of unforgiveness. And all we have to do is call on what he did on the cross. I'm going to show you how it even goes to your emotions. It affects your emotions. God, he took your unreasonable, unstable emotions on the cross. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah on that one. Hallelujah. He took that for you. That means you can ha be emotionally stable and strong. And see, we haven't, many times we just push emotions out of the way and haven't discerned how strong they are because there's deep things that affect the heart. But God wants us to deal with the emotions of the heart. And you can do it through the cross, through the communion elements and be free from it. And many people that get free from that part receive healing and blessing in, in many different ways can come to you. So we're going, what we're going to do, we'll minister that, then we're going to take communion next week. And I believe that many will receive breakthroughs, healings. There, there's things that's hindered you that are going to be revealed, and you're going to deal with it. And God's going to set you free. It's going to be an awesome time at I'm really excited about it. So, so be here next Sunday. We're going to do that. And uh, the Lord has already shown me a couple things uh, that he's going to do. And it's part of the benefit package that we haven't really tapped into. But it's available for us. The chastisement of our peace, the punishment for our 
us not having peace, and it goes beyond our peace with God, peace with others. It doesn't mean that they're at peace with you necessarily, but you can be at peace. <laughs> it's good stuff. I'm going to stop. By your heads. If today you recognize that there's been strife in your life, strife in your home, maybe your, if your kids or your spouse, or strife in the office, division, disorder, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. See, his heart was broken because of the strife and the division. His heart was broken but he's anointed to heal the brokenhearted. There's two races in this earth, the believer and the unbeliever. And we're to love both races, the believer and the unbeliever. And you have to go to the cross. So we've all been mistreated at times. We've all been abused at times. You have to go to the cross. But what liberty and what joy that comes when God sets you free. That's you this morning. There's been strife. And you know what? No one looking around. I just want you to lift your hands. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Yes. See those hands. Just, yes. Put them, put them down. Thank you, Lord. Father, for all these have lifted their hands. I thank you through those stripes. I thank you through that sacrifice that right now the power in the name of Jesus breaks that strife, breaks that unforgiveness, breaks that thing that's broken the heart of Jesus. I thank you for unity and strength and peace being released into these lives. I thank you, Lord, they'll never be the same. Because we discerned the Lord's body that was broken for us, that we could be made whole. We thank you for the blood. We thank you, Lord, that all those that will come unto you and call upon you as Lord, that you stretch open your arms and you welcome us in. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter where we come from. You love us. And Jesus died for us. If that's you today, you need to get right with God. You need Jesus to be the Lord of your life. We're going to pray a simple prayer. If you mean it from your heart, he'll come in and you'll be a new person. You can start a new life in him. Maybe you prayed this before, but you've walked away and you've forgotten the benefit of even knowing Him and being with Father and having intimacy with Him. You've forgotten that benefit. You've forgotten the life that comes from that. And today you want to repent and you want to reconnect with Him. This prayer is for you also. I'm not going to ask you to come down. We'll have prayer partners down a little later. I do ask you to come to them if you can stay a little bit. Maybe five minutes after service, let them pray for you. But right now, no one looking around wants you to lift your hand. If that's you, you want prayer. We're going to pray together. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Any others?
any others say yes to Jesus today? Thank you, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, each of you that lifted your hand, I want you to come down, if you can, and be prayed for. we got prayer partners. love to pray for you. Father, we thank you for each of these right now that are coming to you. Let's all just say this prayer together. Say, Dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ. I ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I turn my life over to you, Lord. I believe you died for me. You went to the cross. You took my sin. You took my sickness. You took my strife, my guilt and shame. I receive you, Lord. I love you. Thank you for saving me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662 690-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277